wheat volatility is riding high. And the cattle price won't slide. We wonder what's going to happen next. Smart money's buying sheep. Your advice comes pretty cheap. Why don't you ask what we can do? Just the two of us. Making podcasts on the fly. Just, Just the, the two, two of us. us. Just, Just the two, two of us. us. You and I. Oh, you've got us back again, and it's just the two of us. I, I still love that singing of ours, Andrew, but we might need to do a bit more singing for different types of events. We'll probably have to update it. I think so. For some of that information. Well, we talk about the cattle price not wanting to slide, and then it's pretty much slid. <laughs> so, well, you, know. Was, you know, that's 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 markets. It was it was at a time, a point of time. Mm. And who who else has got? you know, Aria winning music on their podcast. No, it's true. It did. It popped up. I was, I was listening to music, uh, I think a few days back doing a bit of spotted gardening and, and, uh, Grover Washington or whatever it is, the original thing. He came up on, that just made me think of you while I was out plucking the weeds. So it's been a, it's been a big week this week. Mm-hmm. We haven't had time to get a guest in and, uh, just because we run off our feet, flat out like flat out like lizards drinking. I think's the phrase. Just well, there's some other phrases, but they're no longer politically acceptable. Busier, busy as a one-armed paper hanger. <laughs> uh, so there's been a couple of things. We thought we'd just do a quick update on the major things in the marketplace. Yep. Uh, we we start with cattle, then we will go on to the Russian thing, and then we'll maybe talk about. about those you lack of urea in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot. I could talk li- quickly about livestock. Livestock's probably yeah, yeah. not been as exciting as exciting as what's been happening offshore. Uh, you know, we continue to see what looks. Like, the only way I can describe it because there's a lot of you know, if you look at social media, there's a lot of producers that are questioning why the prices are keeping you know kind of pressuring down. It's a time of year when we normally, whether it's cattle or whether it's sheep or lamb. We tend to see prices rise through winter and we've just seen this ongoing price pressure. It's not, I wouldn't call it a complete collapse, but it's just uncharacteristic price movement. And again, this week we've seen prices ease across the country for most categories, you know, particularly um, the heaviest steer indicators off again slightly um, and uh, you know, and some of the kind of um, the lamb indicators as well uh, are kind of suffering a bit. Uh, obviously in... Um, you know, in part in WA, they've got other issues there, but on the eastern states, at least, um, there's not as much a reasoning as to, as to why we're seeing this lack of confidence in the market. Mm-hmm. And it does it, it feel it feels like process uh, producers, I should say, are acting like there's a drought on, and and some of the pricing we're seeing is kind of drought type pricing when you compare, particularly cattle. If you look at cattle pricing in Australia to global equivalent, you know, with our competitors. The discount we're seeing presently for Australia to the US is like a drought discount in terms of pricing, and we're certainly not anywhere near the droughts. You know, the, the has been reporting we're going to have a dry winter, and and continues to you know they're verging, I guess, on on going to an El Nino alert, but they're not quite there. And and if you look at the ocean patterns and some of the international weather forecast organisations have already said that you know El Nino is likely now. Uh, to come into this next year, but but it hasn't happened yet, and it's still pretty wet around in a lot of places. Um, so it is a bit perplexing. Um, the only thing I can put it down to, look, there's this turnoff. If you look at yarding levels, yarding 
has been going up over the last few weeks in a lot of a lot of you know a lot of yards around the southeast. Um, and at the same time, we have seen a bit of a drop in slaughter volumes going through, and that's normal too for for processing for them to slow down through winter. So it feels just a bit like a, a bit of a glut, and um, and this lack of confidence is just kind of making the market slowly kind of you know be pressured lower, uh, which is like I said a bit uncharacteristic. Mm. So again, it comes down to that that old sort of thing of psychology and markets. Mm. Yeah, and and like I said, if you, you, look you think, at... think it's also a part of it, you know how we sort of see in grains as the market starts to fall, people sell more. Yeah, a bit, a bit like that. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of panic trap type thing. And look, and there have been some rumours around in the in the sheep meat space, particularly mutton. There have been some rumours around saying that the likes of China is now full with mutton, and and they're going to, you know, with the Chinese economy a little bit shaky, and them needing to, you know, potentially reduce interest rates to stimulate demand. That that's playing out in terms of reduced demand for for mutton product. But when you look at the exports, up until you know, the middle of the year, we've had the strongest, uh, each month has been the strongest month, uh, respectively, for that month on record for Chinese Cause, demand. Because that's one of the, that's one of the, always the questions. Every time you put up a chart with the exports going into China, people say, well, how come mm. it's not reflected in the price? Yeah, but, <laughs> exactly. But, but, but yeah. it's, but if it's cheap, you're going to get more exports. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's right. It, and it has been, and it has been cheap. And, <laughs> and some of the, some of the, you know, we have seen the price recover off that $3 level uh, a kilo carcass weight for mutton. So it has bounced off that numerous times when you're looking at the eastern states. And so down at those levels, that's quite good pricing, um, you know, but it just can't seem to break up, you know, convincingly up into that, you know, 400, 450 level. And obviously, you know, trade lambs off its highs too, but it's still, you know, I think if you look historically over the last five years, it's still not performing too badly. Um, it's just that I think maybe producers have got a bit used to those very high prices we saw um, in, in the most you know, immediate few years, uh, which which weren't sustainable really. Um, you know, so, but, but yeah, maybe it's just the fact that it's this uncharacteristic most people have been, you know, waiting and expecting for a price rise through winter, and we just haven't seen it. And that's maybe what's most frustrating. What about the like? Anecdotally, I know that when you go into Coles and Willie's, meat prices are at the retail level. I've noticed, and this is completely anecdotal, mm. prices are on a bit of a slide in terms of at the retail level. Mm. But how is that spread between retail and wholesale, or effectively producer bid? Yeah, that's some um, that's something that's been discussed too around social media that the prices aren't reflecting it. I think I think we have seen like in the red meat space, if you look at what happened through last year, red meat pricing at the retail level was quite inflationary. Um, yeah, and beef was up around nine percent for the year. I think lamb was not far off at about seven percent from memory in terms of in- inflationary increasing. Um, but if you look at the first quarter of March, we saw meat pricing, meat and seafood inflation. Um, going up, but most of it was chicken and pork that was attributing to that. And actually, if you delve into the data for the first bit of the the, the quarter of 2023, red meat pricing, you know, had had kind of stopped going up. It hadn't started; it, it eased slightly, but it hadn't. I wouldn't call it kind of completely, you know, um, reversing its trend. But it certainly the momentum had stopped for red meat. I suspect the, the numbers for uh, the next quarter, the June quarter, are due out. Um, 
next week, I believe. So we'll be able to see, we'll to see, oh, I suspect we will start to see that there has been some deflationary pressure for lamb and beef at, at the retail level. Probably not as much as what we've seen in the sale yard, but I think we will see it in the numbers. And like you're saying, anecdotally, you think you've seen some of that already coming through. And I think that's the case. But it, look, it's not uncommon for there to be a lag between what's happening in the sale yard and what happens at the retail level. And like, you know, with uh, with the price of wheat doesn't always translate to changes to the price of bread and it's pretty similar thing for the sure. for the you know red meat space. Uh, other thing, VFF conference. Yes, that's uh, very excited for that. It's coming so, up. So v- uh, v- VFF is going through, we spoke to Emma, what, two or three months ago? Mm-hmm. Since then, it's been, they've been going through some pretty... Uh, What's the word? It, it politically, in, it, politically interesting times. Well, they've had they had a coup the same weekend at Russia, mm. and so it seems it's going to be an interesting conference because there's obviously a lot of interesting developments there over the past sort of two months. Uh, I don't know mm. whether we've got to bring gum shields or right gear, maybe. maybe boxing gloves. Boxing yeah, gloves. it's funny that you align the the. Issues in VFF with the Russian coup. I think Prigozhin, he's, he's got, he's disappeared, hasn't he? No one knows where he is. Whereas, whereas some of the the uh, well, the, the, of... well, the coup's still going, isn't it? Whereas the Russian one only lasted twelve hours. The the VFF coup has uh, has lasted a little bit longer. So, so that'll be an interesting one next week to see how that goes. Uh, good panel of speakers. Mm. Uh, I think it's a it's pretty much a sell it but from what I've been told it's a very very strong numbers which would be good uh yeah. hopefully they hopefully they're there all to to see the shenanigans that may be the MC um but yeah, there yeah, might be that might be extra numbers just because it's going to be a very interesting event I think yeah. so we'll see we'll see who's there be interesting to see mm. if anyone there who listens to the podcast if, come and say hello if you do listen to the podcast and, and you are there if you Come up to us and say, listen to this podcast, we'll give you a prize. Yeah, sure. Don't, we'll, we'll, don't know what it is, but I won't be. Oh, we'll go and rubbish, rubbish prize as well. <laughs> uh, but we'll go and get him a drink. drink. We'll go to give a drink from the free bar. From the free bar, yeah. Uh, grains. What's Talk, going on? Talking about Russia and coups. Um, <clears throat> the it was interesting because we've got that grain export corridor deal from Ukraine. It was penciled this time last year, and every quarter they had to renew it. Every yep. quarter, Russia said, "We're not going to renew this." And but they, but they did. They but did. they did every single yeah. time, and then they reneged on it finally on Monday. Part of that, though, the initial reaction in pricing was, was they was, was reneged, and then the well, price didn't pricing come off pricing initially, came off. right? Initially, Which is came off. and it, it sort of it baffled me because I was thinking, well, it is a case of where, where why is the market going not going up the way when su- potential supply is is declining by by a significant proportion? Was and it then, an issue? Which is an issue of buy the rumor, sell the fact. It's boy who cried wolf. Yeah, Every, everyone everyone thought Russia was going to come to the table, me included. Logically, it makes sense. They'll come to the table. There's just boy cry wolf. This is just their negotiating tactics, and they'll come. And so the market didn't really react. It wasn't really much. It just didn't do anything. It was a bit of a damp squid. And then on Wednesday, I think Putin basically showed that no deal means no deal, and he 
attacked a couple of silos, a couple of grain export facilities, causing significant damage. And then the market took off like gangbusters. And it was, you know, $33 on the Chicago Futures up on, that's Aussie dollar, immediately after that. Mm. I think yeah. the, so so this 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 export grain corridor deal is is off and uh, the reality is that that's a big chunk of supply Russia has also said that any <clears throat> there's an expectation sorry that these cargos would still be able to go Russia wouldn't attack these cargos so they can be sort of escorted in by other nations Russia's basically said that any any cargos of grain will be considered in the black sea you mean anything coming well, through well, could, go, going yeah. to ukrainian ports will be considered to be potentially carrying military cargoes and will be subject to actions basically so yeah, well, or may may risk um attack getting blown up mm. uh, and speaking of which i'll, I'll go into that tangent in a bit <clears throat> remind me of the tangent about ships getting blown up mm-hmm. the ukrainians actually retaliated again and said, well, actually, we'll consider vessels going to Russia with, to load grain as potentially carrying military cargoes and may take action. So whereas initially it was the volume coming from Ukraine, which is still substantial, it's also potentially the volumes coming from Russia that are at risk. So now you've got a situation where it is one third of wheat, one third of barley, 20% of canola that's traded on the global market, potentially unavailable. So this is significant. And there just seems to be a more of a process of escalation. Maybe it is because Putin realizes he's losing, so he's going all in now. But it is as weaponizing wheat, as all the newspapers say. And uh, he's you know, it's going to cause reverberations right through the Middle East and North Africa, like we've been saying for the last year. Yeah, that Horn of Africa already suffering under pretty significant drought as well. So probably... Well, the Horn of Africa is not actually in the North of Africa, Matt, but... Uh, I think, you know, isn't isn't that's Somalia, Sudan region, right? Yeah, but that's Eastern Africa. Yeah, but it's still it's still north of Africa is Algeria, Libya, Morocco. Yeah, all right. Well, the Horn of Africa is also involved in the requirement for extra food imports because they're in drought. Correct, but Mm. I wouldn't call that North Africa. I I, I can include them as North Africa, Middle East, and. East the Hornet. Okay, all right. Geography is obviously not taught that well in Australia. <laughs> you mentioned about it. Tangent. So about ships getting blown up. My great great grandfather, he he was on a ship that got blown up in the Second World War in Malta, and he stayed on the ship uh, and saved the ship single handedly, along with a few other people, by being in the bowels of the vessel pumping out water to allow it to get into port and deliver its cargo of diesel mm. into Malta to allow the war efforts to continue. So if it wasn't for that, the English would have failed in their efforts to defeat the Germans. Well, he won a Victoria Cross for that. Really? Bloody hell. There you go. And then three weeks later, got blown up on a beach. Mm. Is that is that medal still in the family? There's a funny story about that medal, actually. My aunt took the ribbons off the medal is this Auntie Julie or a different no, aunt? Auntie Agnes. Right. She's passed away. So she's mm-hmm. not listened to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she might be still, you know, in... Well, not in my belief system. Uh, <laughs> and my Auntie Mary, who's also passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took the ribbons off the medals 
because he had a whole bunch of medals because he also fought in the first world war the irish uprising as a mercenary the spanish civil war as a mercenary and then was also in the merchant navy uh but anyway he um the, the, so a fairly fairly peaceful fellow. Peaceful fellow. He's a boxer as well, and he lately took the ribbons off the medals and threw the ribbon, medals in the bin. Really? Because they didn't. They just thought they were just. They wanted to admit ribbons. Oh dear. Like you can get them redone. You can order them, but it doesn't really. Nobody really cares about it. It's, he's mm. a, his name's in a book somewhere in Edinburgh for gallantry. Whatnot. Oh, anyway, well, so that, that was, was a hell of a so that was a hell of a that was a tangent, but tangent, interesting, but it interesting ships, story. Ships, ships getting put along up, uh, but I think going back to it, uh, the grain price in Australia has reacted quite strongly. Not as strong as international futures markets, but that's to be expected. The other unintended consequences are uh, that Ukraine will want to send more grain into Europe over land, but Eastern Europe doesn't want that because it's yeah, it's already causing problems with causing with problems the, with yeah. market. Um, but it, the longer it continues the more benefit it will have to Australian farmers and it's just a shame that it has to come at the expense of you know humanitarian issues around the world mm. Mm. Um, so so yeah speaking yeah. about speaking about uh, shipping pain and shipping and you know um, there are some issues around or supposedly meant to be some issues I've heard around the shipments of urea into Australia, shortages of that and problems. Yeah. But you've done a bit of you've done a bit of investigative digging. Well, data so, is data, yeah. Mm-hmm. We we live and breathe and die on data, yeah. I'm not saying there's no shortages of urea in Australia. I want to be very clear on that one. I don't and I think farmers should be trying to get whatever they need as soon as possible because prices are pretty low anyway. There's no, mm. there's no benefits to hold them back. Just get what you need and buy it. Would be my, not advice, but that's what I'd be doing if I was in that situation. Um, but there has been issues around supply and I think there needs to be, we, we've, I feel like we rabbit on about this a lot about lack of fertilizer transparency. Yep. Uh, there just seems to be this real, anytime you talk about fertilizer, you get complaints every time you talk about fertilizer you have you know people from fertilizer companies looking up your linkedin profile which you can see <laughs> so i can see is uh every time and then you get a few nasty comments you know we'd rather you didn't write about this blah blah blah. Mm. Like, well, it's just data or you don't you don't know what's going on in this market and you know that's the other when we often hear as well oh there's exchange rates taken to account there's exchange rates that's why we can't offer price and transparency uh but anyway so i was on the phone to mate the other day and we're, we're getting chatting about fertilizer pricing because there seems to be availability in september but not ahead of that so i thought well why don't i just download some of the import data and have a quick shifty at that see what's happening i ruined the traps and um it kind of surprised me when i pulled the data so i spent a bit of time actually going back and forth and interrogating the data to see to double check my numbers double check everything but when we look at urea it's quite a interesting story and um, we only have the data up until the end of may because it's usually lagged by about a month and a half and so we'll get june's data in august but what we're seeing is in may australia imported a record volume of urea 
between so as in as in the well, as in the uh, highest, my, my, highest my, we've seen highest we've ever seen for one for any particular month mm. and when i say it's a record it's a record going back to 2011 but i'm going to make a a call that's probably the record of all time it may not mm. be but it's the record since 2011. i was pretty pretty surprised by that like and then when we look at the cumulative imports we're at something like one point just under 1.4 million tons of urea has been imported so how is it that and that, I, I'm, i'll just i'll just run for the numbers i don't mm. like talking about numbers on the thing but i've got them on the screen that's one point just under 1.4 which puts us about 350,000 tons more than the five-year average. And okay, the five-year average includes a couple of drought years, but also a couple of bumper years. But we are significantly higher than both 2021 and 2022, almost a quarter of a million tons higher than last year. And those were big years of bumper demand and both also record import years. So it's a big volume of urea has been imported this year already record volumes and, and the data is the data is the data right so that's there, not there is just, there, there is there's not dispute that yeah, not dispute so why why and you mentioned that you're saying before there may be shortages around the country for whatever you know reasons but so, why so i'm going to give some caveats then yeah yeah so you're asking why is it not well, well why 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 have, have farmers been told you know, come and quickly get in, get your urea. It's going to be a shortage. It's not much about, you know, rush, 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 buy it now. A couple of things, yeah. And again, I'd like to highlight that there's a lot of people talking about it, yeah. But most people talking about fertilizer markets have skin in the game. The mm. Fertilizer traders, importers, or resellers. Mm. So there's always going to be because of salt. Uh, but let's go. Let's, let's, let's talk about some of the caveats to that data, yeah. 1.37 million tons of urea up until the end of May. There'll still be volume coming in in June, so but we're already ahead of the long-term average. You know, we, we June is still going to have a big month, I expect, but we'll see in a month's time. Could be nothing. Hmm. I doubt it. Hmm. But that's the national figure. So we do know that Western Australia seems to have enough, even though they were dry. That one of the arguments is that well, we didn't know what we needed because farmers weren't ordering because it was dry. Mm. Western Australia was pretty dry. I remember before we went over there, it was pretty dry. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, yep. That seeding and before seeding. We we, was, br we brought the rain with us, I think. And, and there was a lot of concern about that. But it seems that Western Australia, anecdotally, has mm. a lot of supply. So so that's a national figure, 1.37. But it, it could be that some, some areas just didn't get imports as much as other areas. Mm. The, the other thing to take into account is the Gibson Island plant. You know, it's 280,000 tonnes of domestically produced urea. I think it closed down. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure it was closed. I couldn't really find out. It was due to close at the start of this year. I can't remember if it actually did or didn't, but I'll leave that. But um, if you it just if but, you but, assume but, that if you but, assume but, that it was closed, you've got what 280,000 tonnes, but you've still got we were ahead of the average by 340,000 tonnes. Yes. So, so, that, so there is Regardless of what where it is, yeah, there is a supply chain issue because people aren't getting access to what they're asking for. I, I am hearing from some people saying, well, I can get what I want. I just got to chase around for it a lot more. Mm. Like that was from a reseller who said, well, it seems to be able to get what I want. I just got to work a lot harder and make a lot more phone calls to get it. But I eventually get whatever I want. Mm. So, but 
what I would say is there are shortages or assuming there are shortages or there's issues around supply access and getting access to what you want. So I still wouldn't be hesitating to buy it because the price is low. Mm. You know, the import price for May was $543. And that's the stuff that is there and the stuff that's coming in. So I think if, if I look at it from, from the point of view of that, um, there's a lack of trust. And there's a, there's a fragmented supply chain. Yeah, but, and, and more but, information will help that. Well, that's what I was just going to say. How, how do you build trust in a market? You make it more transparent so people can understand what's going on with regards to price, what's going on with regards to supply. Just make it so the, same, that, make, make yeah. the same as any other country. Yeah, yeah. So I think, look, all I can say is I'm not saying there's, a, there's not a shortage. I'm not saying there is a shortage. I, 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 will conclu- I, I will probably say there is a shortage because people are struggling to get what they're wanting. There's, a, there's definitely a supply chain issue somewhere, but the data still shows that urea imports are at record levels. So we haven't record levels. And where that's going, that could be getting used into other things like UEN and whatever else. Uh, and it could be fragmented supply chains where it's heavily loaded to one side of the country and not the other. But at the end of the day, we're talking about you know high volumes. That's all we're talking about is just the data. Would it be fair to say, though, that this narrative around difficulties in getting access is something that happens every year, when it, just before it's required? Oh, um, I, I wrote that last week. Remember, I got a phone mm. call from from that guy. I won't name his names, but he was one of the mm. guys that told us that we we can't tell you not to. His words were, "I can't tell you not to write about." Fiddles but we prefer if you well, didn't. We prefer you not to because our farmers <laughs> are asking too many questions. Mm. Uh, but he basically says that well, we're going to run short. There's going to be nothing here. And he actually said, we're going to run short because you're talking about fertilizer markets and, pe- <laughs> and people are not buying. So that's bullshit. Uh, but what happened... They're going yeah, to run short because uh, people aren't buying. Uh, but at the or end, aren't ordering. Aren't ordering, so we're not bringing mm. ships at all because yeah. of you. Mm. And I said, mm. but how come when we spoke this time last year and the year before... You also mm. tell me there was going to be shortages. And the year before, and even but, I, talked but, to an, I talked to an ABC journalist and, and, and she asked me, she said, we've been told there's a shortage. I, I've run articles on shortages of fertilizer every year for the past five, maybe six mm. years. Mm. And I was like, well, this is the problem. And this is the problem I said to this guy last year. I said, you have got to be careful about this. And go back to Putin. You can only blow your load once. Mm. So you've got to if there is going to be shortages, you want people to believe that there's going to be shortages. You can't do it every year. If there is, because what's going to happen is people don't trust you. Mm. If you say every year, oh, we're going to be a shortage, you know, get in quick. But what you've got to actually do is make sure that when there is going to be an issue that people don't get, oh yeah, sure. There's going to be a shortage. Same as last year, same as the year before, year before. And that's the issue. That's a bit like, reminds me a bit of the, you know, in the banking side of things, you'd get the bank's, yeah, you know, when they ha- when they raise rates really quickly after the IBA, and they say, "Oh, we have to, we have to, because our margins are getting squeezed, and we're we're borrowing offshore and this and that, and we have to account for it, and blah blah blah." So our rates have to go up as well, yada yada. But then they they have this narrative, but then when it comes time for reporting of profits, then they turn around and report. You know, a few months down the track after they've had this narrative of of margins being squeezed, then they report a record profit. Well, <laughs> and, you, and, and, yeah. that, and that'll be an interesting one because like. Uh, 
again, a bit of a tangent, but not too far off a tangent. Um, a lot of the fertilizer companies have been talking, fertilizer producers have been talking about how the margin can squeeze because of the high gas prices. And mm. uh, some of the some of the stats came out of the UK from the major sort of producers there, five point four billion in profits, record. Mm. Prof- I think I think don't hold me to this. I think it's record profits for those combined companies. Mm. And you sort of start to say, well, it's like it'll be interesting to see what IPL's profits are when when their numbers are out. But we know that high fertilizer prices in the past have led to high profits, mm. not necessarily a margin squeeze. So mm. again, that's it. When the data, the data, the data has to correlate well, to what, you, and, what and, you're saying, though, right? And whilst I've already had one message from a fertilizer representative, uh, the, we got an article on episode three. We don't lose, we don't use a plug episode three on here because mm-hmm. it's separate. Mm-hmm. But when um, it, the article just says the data, it doesn't it doesn't make any accusations of anything. It's just no. It's, if truth be, if truth be. Truth be told, we don't really like those guys at episode three. No, no one likes him. No, no one likes him. Mm. So much so that well, we won't talk about that. <laughs> we won't talk about the... Uh, <laughs> How much people don't like them. Well, the, the defamation yeah. suit that we're going to have to actually do soon to somebody who's been saying certain things to about us. Mm. Mm. Uh, anyway, that's pretty much it. We I think market, so before we, 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 before we, we before we get we, ourselves in any legal trouble, we better stop. No, we'll leave that for them. Uh, yeah, I better go soon anyway. I've got to go on the flight, and uh, have a good weekend, all. Hmm. See you when you got nothing on. Bye bye.